What's up? Welcome to episode 35 of the Horror Dads Podcast. I am Jamie, and I'm with my partner in crime, John. I'm here as well, buddy. John, what's up, man? Dude, uh, Dude. we're we're on cloud nine. We're here. flying high. Yeah. Right. We we just recorded an episode with Nathan Basil, uh, star of the film Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and he was just as cool as you would want that human being to be and yeah. he's just an amazing dude and we had such a great time talking with him we interview nathan here in this episode and we also discuss um uh as an episode theme horror films that are based off of like documentary style um delivery which is uh an unexplored concept i think for the most part so we talk about nathan's uh top three picks in that realm and uh some are very serious some are very uh funny and it's just a good spread and we talk about three uh, eclectic films for sure yeah nathan is an incredible person and uh he was a great interview i think you guys are gonna dig it um uh, but we have to get into our normal shit right john so uh what do you want to start with buddy let's talk about what we've been uh what we've been watching all right cool what have you been watching so I just I just went on this big endeavor where I painted my sun porch, which is like the largest addition on my house, and it took a lot of uh, a lot of time. Um, so I did a few things. I listened to some baseball games, and I also watched uh, Fright Night, which is for whatever reason, like my while I paint movie. Actually, no, I know the reason. I so I bought the house that my my family used to own here and i've painted every room in this house probably like 10 times over the past 25 years uh and now that it's my house you know i used to paint various rooms in the house and like one day i put on fright night when my dad was in there with me and he does not like horror and he was like oh why do you have this stupid vampire movie on and before i knew it like we both had the paintbrushes set down and we were like just sitting on the couch watching the movie <laughs> and not painting um and to this day he still enjoys fright night because of that experience and so do i so nice um uh, painting the porch i put on fright night and i was all into it um and then the only other thing i wanted to mention too is uh during that that same experience i i downloaded it on audible the uh stephen king nightmare and dreamscapes uh volume one uh had a uh, a handful of short stories that were read by like Tim Curry, Whoopi Goldberg, Rob Lowe. Um, oh, so every story is read by someone different? Yes. I was going to ask who read it. Nice. Yeah. That's and awesome. One of Stephen King's relatives uh, does one of them too. I, I'm not sure if it's his mother or, or who specifically, but. Mm. Um, Aunt King. Yeah. Yeah. Grandma King. Uh, but it was really great. It came as a recommendation from uh, our buddies, uh, Mike and Matt. In the Alone in the Dark podcast, and um, we can't we can't go an episode <laughs> without mentioning. Yeah, yeah, I just thought we'd just head it off at the the forefront. But mm -hmm. uh, Maddie specifically, I've been texting him about it, and it <clears throat> the, the specific uh, tale of uh, Crouch End was really enjoyable on that. So yeah, if you have Audible or you like audio books, uh, checking out um, Nightmare and Dreamscapes is definitely worth it. Cool. Uh, so I also painted i was i've been painting my office um going halloween colors in there but um it, it's one of those things where i didn't want to do it i've been wanting to do it but i didn't want to do it my wife was like i'm just buying the paint you're gonna do it so I'm like, <laughs> yeah Ugh, 
Because, like, even a small office just takes way too fucking long. Well, it's, that's what painting does. You look at it and you're like, oh, this will take nothing. This two is hours. nothing. And yeah. then, like, ten hours later, you're like, God. Yeah, three weeks later, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I threw on... Um, I was watching a lot of 80s movies. Um, but I threw on In Search of Darkness, the longest documentary ever made. Ever made. Oh, that's uh, the one with the... With the 80s horror documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing. It's... Dude, I, I will watch... I Is could the watch it till the day it? I die. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. I just threw it back on. And I, I love it as much now as I did when I first saw it. I just love it. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it nonstop. Um, but anyways, I watched this movie called Doom Asylum. Oh, how was it? From 1988. Dude, so it it's shitty. It's cheesy. Yeah. It's corny. Yeah. It's everything you want an 80s horror film to be, really. Uh, yeah. It's super fun. Uh, it's about a man and a woman at the beginning getting into this car accident. Uh, the woman clearly dies, but the man, they for some reason they take him to an asylum to, uh, like, I I don't know to like take take his body parts out. I don't really know why he's at in an asylum and not a hospital, but they find out he's still alive, so he starts killing uh, the doctor and the coroner. Uh, but then he so he kind of resides at this asylum. It's his killing field, if you will. Um, and then teens flock there kind of as like a, let's teens. go to the asylum. Teens. Yeah. Teens, you know? Yeah. So they get there and then a bunch of fun, uh, murderous mayhem ensues, but dude, good time. Again, shitty acting that you'll just laugh at. You'll have a lot of fun with. So I recommend that to everyone directed by Richard Freeman. It's again, it's from 1988. The actors, there's, I don't think there's anyone worth mentioning because yeah, I don't know if they had careers after this. Well, that's fun though. Um, yeah, super fun. So, uh, you, you got any fun family antics that you want to mention? Uh, yeah. So the only thing I really have to say is earlier today, before I left to come here, my son was asking my wife to do something and she was like, why is it that you're always asking me to do these things? Like, your dad's standing right there as well. Why are you asking me to do it? And he was like, well, you always do stuff like this better. I was like, um, I said, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, I was kind of just egging him on because I didn't care that much. But, but I wanted to make him feel bad. At that point, bad. you're also a little bit like, uh, what are you talking right. about? Yeah. So he was like, well, I mean, you you podcast better than mom. <laughs> so I have that going for me for now. For now, yeah, yeah, that's gonna have short shelf life though, because we're we're doing another With episode the of horror moms, moms, and everyone's yeah. like, no. yep. Um, so I've got a little family antic here. That's actually not related to my family, but the family of a patron of ours. Perfect. So, uh, two meter maniac is a avid follower. We met him again through the Alone in the Dark podcast. Um, but his name's Michelle. He put the most hilarious video on uh instagram um and he's at at two meter me two meter maniac um and it's of his uh his son who apparently is not into the concept of brushing his teeth right now like most kids you know defy Mm. against and he he dubbed the uh harry uh, manfredini um friday 13th music from part three uh the you know the um 
over him chasing his son around with a toothbrush and it looks like it's from like the first scene from halloween the original like walking around with a knife but it's him with a toothbrush and i i honestly i i was i was at work i was howling in my office and someone came in they were like what's going on in here i was like you just you have to check out this video and they watched it and they're like i don't get it and i was like you wouldn't but uh just so funny so from a family antic uh, perspective, I have to through osmosis elect uh, elect another, and we'll we'll go ahead and do that with an avid supporter uh, through our buddy uh, Michelle. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you been buying anything lately, buddy? I actually have not. I've been uh, I've been eyeing up a few things. I need a hat. I need a horror hat real bad. That's the one thing I don't have. Uh, I just have like baseball hats, and they're kind of they're getting old. Yeah. I, I recently picked up our buddy QFS Chris released that um, neon edition of the um, or not neon but the glow in the dark edition of the autopsy of Jane Doe print. Oh yeah, yeah. I snagged that nice right up. So they're I think still available for pre-order uh, through the end of the week if you want to awesome. snag one. Yeah. yeah. You know what I've been really eyeing up is our buddies over at uh, Toxic Coffin have a Fright Night T-shirt coming out and in a, a long sleeve with the. So this Friday, which is the sixteenth, yeah, uh, which is probably the day this airs, um, is when it it drops for purchase. So um, excellent, yeah. So snag that, please. I'll be those queued up to get amazing. that. Love those guys. Yeah, they're just great, great people. And, and while you're there, if you products. don't have it yet, they they have the um, night, night of the, the comet, and then yeah. they have the. Um, What's our Rosemary's Baby shirt, which yeah. is fucking so awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right, so are we ready to get into the interview? Well, no. What are what are you oh, wearing shit. right now? God damn, wait. What are you wearing, Jamie? Dude, speaking of family antics, uh, so I'm double, double down right now. I'm wearing my Horror Dad's t-shirt, which looks and feels amazing. Uh, and under or Underneath my hoodie... That is a Horror Dad's hoodie. The, these aren't for sale yet. The hoodies are not for sale. So the t-shirts um, are now available for sale in our shop at HorrorDads.com. Um, we did the pre-sale. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, likely they've been shipped out already. Yeah, you may already um, be wearing it. Yeah, if you've already pre-ordered and many of our patrons already have done so. Um, so our merch is hot off the press. Uh, we picked all this up today. Um, we did a couple templates on some stuff before making purchases and, um, we're testing out some hoodie options, which will be available down the road, but the t-shirt, uh, option on a nice soft ring spun version is available in our shop, uh, as of the day you're listening to this. Yeah. They feel great. They look great. Yeah. And thank you so much to, um, all those that have picked one up already on pre-order. So thank you. It means so much to us. We truly appreciate it. Um, and then we have one more new patron. I think we just have one new patron, right? Patron yes. subscriber. Yes. Our, one of our very best friends, Bill Fowl. Uh, we love you, buddy. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Uh, we look forward to just peppering you with great content. Yes. Enjoy the new content. And Bill Fowl is probably one of the best, uh, one of the other best musicians that we know in real life who's been a, a longtime supporter of us and a longtime friend. So been in Bill, bands with both of us. Yeah. So thanks so much, Bill, for your support, man. We appreciate Love you, you, buddy. Um, and the last shout out we want to make real quick is a um, 
company that's working toward their 501c3 nonprofit status. Um, uh, the Instagram handle for this company is here for the number four and then life L Y F. Um, and they're a suicide prevention, uh, organization that's reached out to us on Instagram. They work with, um, the band careful gaze who we interviewed the singer from, uh, in a past episode. Uh, so this dude is a real deal. He's, he's looking to, uh, do some good in the world and, uh, he's certainly worth a follow and worth a conversation. He's a really, really great guy. So, uh, check out here, uh, for number four and then life L Y F, um, on Instagram. He's That's a great a dude. cause we can all get behind for sure. Yeah. So without further ado, yeah. you want to get into it, man? Yeah. Let's, uh, hope you guys enjoy hearing, uh, John and I, especially me fanboy out here for a little bit. <laughs> all right, let's get at it. All right, guys. All right, welcome to episode 35. We are here with the most amazing special guest, Nathan Basil, actor, producer, and general amazing human being. What's up, Nathan? Oh, that's great. I, I just said human being, but amazing human being is even better. <laughs> no, I had to add that superlative in there for sure. Nice. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you so much for taking your time, man, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for your interest, guys. I'm uh, looking forward to talking. So we're just going to clear the air real quick, nerd off for one second. I said we wouldn't do this, but we have to just real well, We quick. said we wouldn't do it on the air, but here we are, yep. fanboys. Yeah, just <laughs> thought we'd rip off the Band-Aid here. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Jamie and I are both just massive, massive fans of... Uh, so for those that don't know, Nathan uh, was uh, the star of uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, uh, one of the stars of that amazing film. And he played Leslie Vernon, and it's a favorite of both Jamie and I's. And we just, we adore this film for many, many reasons. We're going to dive into why that's the case. But uh, just, we uh, we love the work, man. And and it's a, a huge, huge portion of both of our, our collections. And we just, we love this movie and love your character so much. I'm glad that you've found it to be the gift that keeps on giving. Some people have that relationship with it, and it's always it's always nice to uh, to be involved with something like that. Yeah, it's been uh, th- this movie is just a driving force for why we love horror. Um, it's why it's it's one of those movies that keeps us coming back uh, to discover new shit. Because when we discovered this, I think John and I both were like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, you get everything gets a little stagnant and stale, um, and this movie kind of. I don't know. It kind of did something different for the genre and uh, pushed us out of our box. So we love it. We love uh, you and you've been a dream guest of ours. So here we are. And we don't really know what to say. We're speechless. Let's get this. uh, (laughs) Let's get this out of the way, bud. I do think so. The theme of our episode here, though, is like documentary or mockumentary style uh, um, horror that we're going to talk about. But I think it's important to note that like every... I feel like every 10 years, there's one, one film that comes out or a, a film that inspires a bunch of other films that are more accessible, maybe Sure. Um, that kind of create like a paradigm shift almost that say like, okay, cool. We're going to like, we're going to move the needle a little on, on the, the whole genre and we're going to like re-energize things. And I definitely think in the mid two thousands that behind the mask is, is the film that did that for sure. Yeah. Much more eloquent. Much more eloquent than the way I put it, John. Thanks. Yeah, Jamie. I, I really like, like uh, bumbling, cool shit. Over yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh-oh. I just appreciate that you guys are saying it because uh, I I never know how to talk about the movie. It's it's a confused jumble in my head. You guys seem a lot clearer. So uh, thank you. Well, so how do you feel about the film? Like, uh, you know, reflecting upon it uh, now, you know, I guess, what, 15 years later? Um, it's uh, a, something that lives more in relationships than it does in memory because I have um, ongoing relationships with a lot of the folks from the movie and um, and uh, I'm, in, I'm in a and d group with a couple of the actors and the writer. Um, so you know it's it's a it's a relationships that got established from the movie and is ongoing um and so i i tend to see the movie that way rather than as something that's kind of set in 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 time you know way back when or you know it's just trapped trapped in amber it's it's more alive than that you know yeah that's the D and D reference is great. And I know. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. I, th- uh, I, I feel. I feel. Um, you know, honored to be able to say that because I. I know this is my first D and D group I've I've ever done. I've never done it before. Um, and uh, when when the, the writer David Stevie he uh, hit me up to see if I'd be interested, I was like, I don't know anything. About, I don't know how to do it, but uh, I would. <laughs> I'd enjoy the company. Um, I could use it. The company. Uh, so. I got no reason not to. Sure. Um, as long as you don't mind a newbie. And, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been playing for the first time and learning, learning the whole D and D scene. Um, it's been really interesting. Using terms like dungeon master and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stevie's the dungeon master. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terms you, terms you never thought would be in your vocabulary. Uh-huh. I'm a, I'm a, um, a barbarian dwarf um, <laughs> named Grumple, Grumple Brickjaw. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> Grumple Brickjaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Former former captain of the Dwarven armies. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I show me re- my respect. Give me, give me respect. Yeah, sorry. You talk to me. You look me in the eye when you talk to me. We forgot that on your your introduction. Um, yeah, you we didn't introduce me. Can we go back and yeah, we'll, we'll redo <laughs> that. Amazing human and Brumple Grypto. Yeah, that's for right. sure. So um, let's talk maybe a little before we get to a zillion questions we have about uh, the film, uh, Leslie Vernon. Um, let's let's talk a little bit maybe about your career if you're good with that. But it seems like you've got a uh, a great deal of experience um, in in the live theater sort of realm. So, and I think uh, you've you've had quite an education just based off the research we've done. So, you want to talk maybe a little about your your history in theater and you know any specific productions that you um, gravitate toward or have been involved in? I yeah, I guess I I have more experience with theater than anything else, and um, and I did a bunch of theater in my acting training and uh, in college and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm most familiar with. I guess I'm drawn, I'm drawn mostly to, um, to, um, dramas that I can't really, um, wrap my brain around. They're not, um, easily, um, dismissed and, and kind of, you know, cataloged and, and put away. Um, I like stuff that, uh, that 
confronts and 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 confuses and um i don't like to i like to be surprised and um and so yeah i guess my my favorite work is always um no matter what kind of theater it is uh or 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 acting in general um the work that surprises me is quality work um sure. the the play that i'm most drawn to um is long day's journey into night uh by eugene o'neill um because of the the tortured relationships uh biographical relationships um of uh, the author and his family and uh and those family relationships that are are you know that there's there's tons of love but there's also lots of you know pain and hurt and resentment and and uh so you know you can't it's just a it's a big mess of of emotional <laughs> turmoil and uh um yeah that's that's uh, that's that's my thing i guess emotional turmoil boy that's terrible to hear out loud <laughs> well that's interesting uh perspective for sure and i i feel like our our sample size and like why we reached out to you is obviously a somewhat limited um uh sample size but i i feel like your demonstration and what you deliver in in behind the mask is like really incredibly dynamic for for a horror film specifically which i know frequently gets knocks for saying like oh yeah they're just jump scares and there's limited acting and there's limited this there's limited that but part of what i think jamie and i love so much about it is like both you like all the characters i feel like are are it's so well acted and it's so well thought out and so well delivered yeah they um, all have an arc there's a good story yeah i agree characters are great well we get uh we get knocks for not being a real horror movie sometimes or not being uh gory enough um uh, not having enough of the slasher conventions in their you know blood and guts but um but um yeah what what we were able to do was really focus on on the behind the mask stuff the stuff uh the mask off uh stuff and um and address the mask on uh qualities but to to do it in a more i guess um conversational intellectual approach um so the movie's just it works differently than it's not it's not um a i guess traditional horror movie even though what we're um the subject of the movie and the kind of uh the kind of subjects that we're talking about in the movie um are legit you know slasher films from you know late 70s and early 80s um so yeah it's 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 a little bit of a of a of a balancing act that we do and it's a it's a it's an act that we pull off in in some people's opinion and then uh, uh some people that are into horror they just they they need a, a larger dose of it you know yeah when i talk to anyone who was kind of on the fence about it i tell them they need to watch it again uh because i think if you go in with the wrong uh expectations then you know i think if you go into it again knowing what to expect then you'll be like oh i i get it now and this is this is great it's really yeah. smart yeah it's 
it's very it's meta similar to how scream kind of like redefined the genre to a sure. certain extent yep. and sort of reintroduced certain aspects of of being almost self-aware i feel like this film certainly did that yeah one of my favorite things the aspects of the film is that it takes place like <clears throat> mike Freddie and I love how you guys are always like Mike, Fred, and <laughs> right. Hey, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it takes place where those characters actually existed, and I, I love that. Right. I think it's a very like like John said, meta and uh, software. But I just I love it. Can you imagine the uh, the kind of crazy fantasticness that we would get if if we could just do a Marvel MCU type mashup of all of the great slasher franchises and um, have these guys operate in the same reality, um, the same kind of dimensional, you know, thing that would just be so awesome. Yeah. It's unfortunately impossible, but it would be awesome. And that's kind of, yeah, there's just too many legal stuff, but legal things, but, um, but yeah, that's what our, that's what our movie imagines. And I think it satisfies a lot of our fans um, for that reason, just tickling the, 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 the fancy of, oh man, what if these guys were all hanging out? (laughs) What What if these guys were you know, hanging out on a Saturday night when they're not up to stuff. <laughs> I do kind of feel like that's the case. It's almost like, oh, oh, these. It's you watch it, and it's like, oh, these guys get it. You know, they understand the idea of, uh, yeah, you know, it'd be great to just like have that alternate reality where you just suspend the, uh, you know, the morose commoditization of like what life is and it's like oh yeah no mike and freddie and uh or oh uh what does taylor say in the movie like oh frederick she she refers to him (laughs) yeah all right i have to ask you a question about your neighbor frederick (laughs) krueger and they shut the door (laughs) oh and she's with kane hodder there yeah yep love that so much yeah Um, i love like when scott wilson is talking about uh you know just like yeah you know mike mike fred and, and jason they changed the game it's like yeah they really did I love it. I think I think I actually called him Jay at one point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> we we told we we said we were going to ask you a bunch of questions about your career, and then we instantly started talking about the movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, the movie's way more interesting than my career, anyway. All right. Well, but given your your array of experience, so being in acting and production, and you had mentioned some of the editing side of things. What is there one specific element that you prefer most out of um all that's available i guess um i really like the aspect of uh of collecting a paycheck um it's really top notch for me and so being able to get one for the last 10 years or so uh the company i've been working at has been uh has been a massive improvement in my quality of life but uh yeah i've been thinking uh recently uh, a lot of covid contemplation and i've i've been thinking recently about getting back into acting and getting back out of auditioning and whatnot and um yeah i think it's i think it's it's uh gonna be happening if 2021 will allow it if we don't have to do another do another push of uh of 2020 and because 2020 didn't happen so nope. we're living 2020 now yeah 
So if 2021 has to push, then God, we're looking at two years of push. Um, yeah, I guess I'll do it next year if I have to, but. <laughs> well, uh, regardless of what it is, we want to see it. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. We're, we're excited to, to have the next uh, iteration of Nathan for sure. Well, I'm doing a, a, a there was a play, of a production of The Crucible at, at uh, I live in uh, Orange County, just a little bit south of LA. And, um, and I was uh, uh, rehearsing a production of Crucible that was supposed to open the weekend after everything shut down because of COVID. So mm. um, it never got off the ground. We, we, we uh, tried to do some, uh, you know, socially distant uh, rehearsals and, you know, just keep things going, but uh, it, it just got uh, impossible. But we, we ended up rehearsing that thing for longer than I've ever rehearsed another play. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, it's essentially ready to go. We're just uh, waiting for the green light. So as soon as um, things get back to normal enough, um, we're, we're going to get uh, a production of The Crucible back up uh, at, uh, the Maverick theater in Fullerton, California, and I'll be playing the role of John Proctor and, uh, everybody's welcome to come on down and see it and appreciate live theater. Once again, sitting around, uh, in the company of other human beings and not being terrified. That'll be great. So all that rehearsal will finally pay off. We'll see. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll be a, a better version of that character than, uh, what I was working on then, but I don't know. We'll see. And just to forewarn you now, when you see two nerds in the front row in horror dad shirts, <laughs> wearing, wearing, it's, wearing it's, their own t-shirts, yeah, it's not, it's not two fans that exist out there. It's us that, uh, drove a zillion miles for, yeah, for nice. that. So nice. Uh, yeah. I can't wait. Wearing, wearing the, the same shirt too. Yeah. yeah. The, shirt the shirt and the hoodie. And the hoodie. Yeah. 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 Like yep. you guys, it's 105 degrees out here in LA. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, we're just staying warm, you know, any way we know how. <laughs> uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your journey into the industry? Kind of like, uh, did you have influences growing up that kind of drew you into it? Um, and how have those influences kind of changed through the years? Um, yeah, well, my family, uh, was doing acting stuff when I was growing up, um, uh, a lot of church plays and church musicals, that kind of thing. And, and my brothers did high school theater and I kind of followed them into that. It just, it felt, uh, you know, pretty early on, like something that was just kind of easy to do. And so, sure. the, you know, uh, water chooses the path of least resistance. And that's, that's what I did with work. And, um, and I'm lazy too. So I think, you know, just being able to show up and say words was a lot better than having to do a whole bunch of, you know, homework and, 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 and preparation and this and that. Um, but, uh, yeah, as time went on and I got more, um, oh, um, kind of education about acting, um, I saw that it could be something a lot um, more impactful than how I'd seen it before. And that was really what um, allowed me to um, see acting as a uh, um, something that is uh, a contribution, 
Um, I, 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 I guess I'd always resented uh, up until that point that um, acting felt like a very selfish act. You know, you, sure. you, you get up and you, you put on a show and then everybody comes up and they pat you on the back and they tell you what a great job you did and this and that. And I, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was fun because of that, but um, it also just felt really empty and shallow. And, um, and when I um, started uh, get uh, working on a degree. Um, my, my bachelor's at UCLA, I, I started to see that, that theater could be a much, and acting, um, specifically could be, could be a much more, um, uh, it could just have so much more value to, uh, a community than, uh, how I, I'd thought of it before that. And that's when I started taking it seriously and started, um, seeing that I was going to need a lot more thorough training than I had, um, even at UCLA, I got a great, uh, intellectual education there, but, um, but I, I felt like I needed a lot more practical skill building. And, and so I went to Juilliard and, um, and Juilliard, uh, is, you know, one of the loftier, um, conservatories for acting. And so I was really well positioned after that to, um, get out into the industry and start auditioning around and start, you know, working. And, um, yeah. So then I started doing TV and, and film and theater professionally. And, and, uh, it was, it was a great career and I, I have, uh, some great things to show for it behind the mask being, being, uh, the crowning jewel. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, it, it became very hard. I, I had a family, two kids and, and, um, the, the distance between jobs, uh, you know, the time between jobs just started getting more and more expansive and it just felt like, Oh boy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got a job, um, at this uh, company, original productions. Um, it was my first staff job, my first nine to five desk job that I ever had. Um, and, uh, and that's what, where I've been working for, um, the last 10 years. Um, and, and also doing, uh, acting, uh, teaching in there, um, acting coaching. Um, that's something that I get a lot of satisfaction out of. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I might get back to that um, too, uh, because it's, it is very, very satisfying. Yeah. It sounds like it's one of those things that's good for your soul. So hopefully you do get back into that. It, it is, it can be, it, it can also be very confronting and, um, and difficult. Um, and, uh, and that's how I found it. But, um, but I think, uh, the more you do it, the more, more comfortable you get. And, uh, so yeah, I, I I think that uh like I was telling you guys before, a more institutional kind of teaching may may be on the menu later on. So uh, I think you mentioned a couple of themes that really resonate with both of us, but you know, we're obviously both dads and your father as well. And you know, parenting for us is the most important job that we have, but we both have pretty, you know, institutional nine to five jobs, um, we're career professionals. And like Jamie kind of mentioned, this is sort of how we, um, 
this podcast is really how we exercise our fulfillment and in in having conversations like this and just kind of like living our our dream quote unquote um and it's it's been like the most amazing outlet imaginable for us and it's been unbelievably fulfilling um but as a parent are you, are your kids um like aware and involved in your work your your kids are obviously older than ours um so uh, um yeah. i didn't um prevent them from seeing any of my work but it just it felt like particularly in in, in the case behind the mask it felt like um in order for them to really get the value of it they were going to need to see some of the movies that we were referencing and um and i just felt like age appropriateness was a challenge um for a while um and still is, but uh, but it's easier to navigate now that they're a little bit older. Seventeen and fourteen is is a lot different than uh, than seven and three or six and three. <laughs> right. Yeah. So sure. I, I I just last year showed behind the mask to them for the first time um, because they'd been able to see you know the first Halloween movie and they've been able to see the first Nightmare on Elm Street and they've been able to see you know the first uh, Friday the Thirteenth. So um yeah we're they're 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 not uh they're aware of of uh the impact that behind the mask has had um but they don't um they don't revere me because of it as they should <laughs> they don't talk to you like we do as they should, yeah. <laughs> as they should. Uh, so I, was- I went to i remember I, one one day i was eating uh dinner with uh my oldest and uh, we were at a restaurant in, in uh, downtown and and uh, this guy came up and he was just, you know, big eyes, you know, uh, you know, man, are you are you Nathan Basil? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, or, you played Lizard but behind the mask. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. you know, and he just he went full fanboy and and having that happen in front of my boy, it just it felt like it was. Oh, good. He's seeing this. He's seeing <laughs> that there are people that have a tremendous amount of just admiration and awe and appreciation. And I'm glad that he's seen because this is a very good example to be setting for him right now. Did you hold that over his head for weeks? Like, I'm just asking you to clean your room. Did you see the way that guy was worshiping me the other day? No, it didn't last longer no. than, you know, the guy left and, you know, 10 seconds later, I was back to being yeah. dad. Well, little, little do you know that was Jamie. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> oh. I flew out just for that experience. <laughs> that's, that's well, I appreciate that. Maybe you can make some more um, frequent trips. And yeah. We can just, you know, build it, build it into them. Um... Once COVID ends, just let me know when you're at the local taco shop and I'll show right. up. Right on. Uh, so do your kids have any aspirations to follow in your footsteps to be an actor or get into filmmaking or? I don't know. I think I sabotaged any of those interests that they might have had. They both did um, the theater stuff with school and they both enjoyed doing it um, and they were both good. But um, I think just because of how I've represented the the difficulty of having a successful career in acting, yeah. um, I think I probably haven't been setting the best example for them um, going out into the business wide-eyed and, 
and uh, naive and everything. So if they if they um, ever decide that that's what they want to commit themselves to, they'll they'll go into it with a full understanding of of the ups and downs of it, and uh, you know maybe that'll equip them a little better in the end. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's better to go in knowing, you know, that it's not all fucking roses. Yeah, yeah. I would love them to have to have an experience of sure. of uh, of uh, of uh, success, but it's far more interest uh, far more of interest to me that um, they're defining success differently than um, booking jobs and making a lot of money and. Um, so that's what we're working on right now. Yeah, that that's, I mean, we're not quite there yet as parents, uh, Jamie and I, I feel with that level of discussion, mm-hmm. but I've, I've definitely started to weigh the, those kinds of conversations for sure, because like hints of that are starting to percolate, especially with my oldest, like her asking more questions about, you know, what I do for a living and mm. asking like, oh, so you don't work with scary movies because she comes down to the basement and like the basement's filled with the things I love versus the things I do for a living. <laughs> and um, it's just been really interesting to kind of like sort of balance that as a parent and say like, okay, just just because you do something for a living doesn't mean that you love it and, and vice versa. Just because you love something doesn't mean that it's going to make you money or, you know, give you a career. Um so starting to well, the thing I love about teaching acting is that it's it's a, a demonstration of my belief that um, that the value of acting is in the expression of it. It's in the degree to which you are putting yourself out there into the world um, and has nothing to do or very little um, to do with uh with how that shows up in your um career trajectory um the 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 value of the acting is i have something to say and i'm putting myself out there and 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 saying it um and that's that's value whether you're doing acting or especially if you're not doing acting professionally um i feel like it's just as important, if not more, um, to have that expression, um, that habitual expression built into your um, life, whether you're dedicated to a, a career of acting or not. It's funny because I think to the layman, uh, they kind of have that perception, like you said you had early on with actors, like, Oh, it's all about me. I just want praise. I want to be famous. Uh, but as you get to like, as John and I have gotten a, we have uh, one of our best friends is an actor and he's kind of in the acting community in Chicago, but through that and through this uh, process and speaking to actors, it's like, there's some of the most intelligent, well-spoken, hardworking people that we've met, you know? And it's, it's like, it's not all fun and games. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of education, a lot goes into it. And, um, and even talking with him, he, 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 he confronts it at the, the forefront too. And frequently like people ask him questions. He's like, I'm not doing this to be famous. Like right. my plan is yeah. not that my plan is to find some form of fulfillment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm probably, uh, able to insist as, as, as vehemently as I do that 
the value is is in the expression rather than in career success um, because I've had some career success. And so I can, I can feel like, all right, who needs career success? Who, you know, who I, I have, you know, tons of actor friends who, you know, they don't have that thing that they can point to and say, Hey, you know, Hey kid, take a look at this This is what your old man used to do, you know? Um, and, uh, and it's a shame because there's so much talent. It's something that I, I found so, um, uh, uh, disappointing confusing and disappointing um when when i was a professional actor was as difficult a time as i was having in the industry uh, so many of my friends were having a harder time and so many of my friends were so stinking talented i i almost said the f word but i'm, I'm gonna hold that back for your dad um and <laughs> and i and I, I you know i i think that's there's there's the 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 amount of talent that percolates up to the top you're it's it's just a fraction it's a mere you know it's a tiny tiny fraction of the acting talent that's out there um so let's 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 start defining success a little differently so that um your resume isn't the indication of the quality of actor you are you know let's Let's have it be about the kind of the, the quality of the person that you are, and that's necessarily going to reflect in your work. I, I mean, I feel like that that resonates in so many so many different layers. I feel like I'd wear a yeah. T-shirt that said what you just said. Well, you can also get a hoodie yeah. that does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I want, <laughs> you can I wear want it over. It. Yeah, yeah, we want the hoodie, Jamie. And then I want your wife to insult me for wearing it. Oh, she will. <laughs> John's wife most certainly will. Oh yeah, she'll she'll okay. get right in there. You nerd, She's quick to it. <laughs> yeah, she won't hesitate. Um, all right, you want to hop to Leslie Vernon questions a little bit here? Yeah, let's go. Re- you mean back? Do you want to hop back head, to Leslie head Vernon back. questions? <laughs> all right. So, what kind of preparation? Uh, actually, for, I'm very interested in how you got this role, Nathan. Hmm. What, what what kind of led to this? Uh, it was just an audition, and uh, and um, some of my auditions, but not many. Um, I get the script, uh, that I was for the project that I was auditioning for. And, and, um, with, with this one, I got the script and I, I, uh, did you have an agent that sent this to you or, uh, uh-huh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, I, it was just such a great, it was just so, it was perfect. It was a perfect script. All of the, the rough edges had been sanded. Everything was, you know, smooth and worked like clockwork. Um, and it was just uh, uh, fun, and 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 I've never said the word ebullient, but I I don't even know if I'm using it correctly, but I think so. It was like that, and um, and uh, so it was just easy to uh, to get myself motivated for this. Uh, some auditions are a little harder than others to motivate oneself for, but this one was a, was an easy easy motivation. And uh, yeah, the, the auditions went well. I I, I met. Um, um i i just it was good people um um D- david stevie uh, uh the screenwriter was there um scott glasserman um the uh, director and uh some of the actors too had been working with um scott on uh, the pre-production stuff and so i i was able to make meet a good chunk of the of the key group and uh we all got along well 
um, Angela at my callbacks, Angela was there and, um, and we were all just getting along like gangbusters. So it felt like a good fit. And, uh, I felt like the, the work that we were doing was, was getting the point across, you know, making a yeah. statement and, and, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I got a call, uh, a few days later from, Scott just to just to let me know that the audition went really well almost too well because um they were having to to rethink some some things um I think it was just a different tone that we were doing than what anybody else was doing um I think the tone that we struck was one that was closer to a uh kind of waiting for Guffman quality in in the sense that the characters were um were doing really absurd stuff but um they were taking it seriously they were playing it seriously they weren't playing it for goofs and laughs um so it wasn't obviously comic but it definitely had enough of an absurdist tone to be disjarring and 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 funny because of that yeah, it's funny because it's all it's it's like <clears throat> it's dark, but it's humorous enough to keep it not necessarily lighthearted, but to keep it from, you know, feeling real dirty. Do you, yeah. Did you have a did you have a certain yeah. scene you auditioned? Do you remember what scene you auditioned with? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um we auditioned with the van scene. I think it was all the van scene. I think it was the van scene oh, where, where you where you yeah, freak out on Taylor or later yeah where I freak out on her oh man so it, it you know it had it had some of the some of the dark yeah. quality to it and it had and it, it had the flipping to the flipping quality to where you know it goes from from light to dark you know really quick so it had yeah. it had some of that kind of distinctive uh, quality in that early audition stage yeah but I guess that that specific scene would really like if you were to ask me as a viewer and say like hey what what scene shows the light in the dark you know what exemplifies that that, that scene would definitely do that so I yeah, guess it's that a perfect sense. scene yeah. you, are we talking about the scene where you come out when they come out of the restaurant and you're standing there yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah when it's daylight not later yeah it's on. a perfect yeah. one yeah and then it, and then you know over the course of it it kind of you know calms down a little bit and and there's a kind of not reconciliation but 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 you know it, the, the tone shifts and yeah so it we i think we we pushed we sque squeezed a lot of ideas a lot of choices into uh, a little bit of material and uh and i think that was that was probably exciting for them to see on the other side of the table um oh man there's a lot of possibilities to play with here sure for sure so in preparation for the role did you were there any specific like horror icons? Like, did did you have to do a lot of? Uh, did you watch a lot of slashers from the seventies and eighties? Um, you know, I tried. I just I I'm I uh, I watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth for the first time. Um, I had seen um, Nightmare on Elm Street one and two when I was younger. Um. I had not seen Halloween. In fact, I, I saw watched Halloween for the first time uh, uh, two years ago. Um, the original? I'm, yeah. Really? I'm, 
I'm scared of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm man. a scaredy cat. I'm a scaredy cat. Um, but uh, fortunately, every bit of what uh, my beliefs are and my philosophy and all this stuff, that was all in the script. I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to ex- be extemporaneous about any of that stuff that was it was all in the script the script was solid clean all all i had to do was just deliver those ideas um where i did get into trouble was when i was doing the mask on stuff and i didn't have a clear physicality for the character i didn't really know how to do a physicality for a character like that and and so I started making some choices. I was getting all actory and I started making some choices and I started doing some stuff and did a couple takes where I'm doing some stuff. And then Scott comes over to me and very quietly. So nobody else hears that, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an embarrassing correction that I'm going to get. He's like, don't, you don't need to, you don't got to do all that stuff. You don't have to do any of that. They just, they just move. They just do what they do. And it, they're just a machine. You know, they get from A to Z and they just, you know, yeah. they're un- yeah. unstoppable force. And, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I get it. You know, so from that point on, um, I, I had a much better understanding of how to proceed. But, uh, but yeah, there was, there was, there was a little ignorance on my part, a lot of <laughs> ignorance on my part. Well, that kind of leads to my next question. Did you improv any of your lines or actions or was it all pretty much scripted out? Because there's some really funny lines in there. And it's stuff that seems so off the cuff at times, you know? There's some off the cuff stuff, but um, for the most part, there was no need to, to, you know, be off the cuff because the script already read very off the cuffly. Sure. And so, you know, like I said, saying the words, you know, make, making it sound right, making it sound real. That, that was that was where my work was at. Um, and then playing with the people that were around me. Um, you know, Taylor was always in front of camera with me. Um, but the two guys behind camera, uh, Todd and Doug, um, the, those those guys were always on hand, too, to to play with and give some back and forth. And um, so. Yeah, there was there, there was there was a little bit of goof because um, stuff just comes up in play, but um, but there wasn't really too much need to go off track because it was off track enough to the extent it needed to be. Sure. Yeah, I mean that just lends to the fact that that script was so well written because it's just like, oh man, I really wish oh, people man. could read that script because it was just it was just you, you you never read scripts that are that clean, you know? Yeah, man. I, I was I was telling John, I was like, there had to be some improv in here because it's just some of this stuff is so just well, you know, off the cuff. I, again, to use that phrase, but just so well done off the cuff there. But it wasn't. It's amazing. And the I mean, watching the special features on the, the Blu-ray uh, with Robert England's commentary um, through a lot of it, it was really interesting to see him just like gush over the script and uh one of the lines that instantly they cut to when he was talking about like how well written the film was, was the paradise lost found it thing. That wasn't in the script. So that was improv. <laughs> so that was improv there. Ish. I mean, I, I, it, we had to get the book. We, we were in a library. We sh- our, <laughs> the last night of shooting was in the, the, the Portland downtown library. So, uh, you know, some, uh, the, uh, you know, prop girl went and grabbed a copy of it and we shoved it in the stack. But, uh, 
so no, it wasn't improvised because I knew I was going to do it. It was just yeah. a matter of what, where and when. You squeezed it in there. I love I, yeah, I love I it. I'll laugh. I'll I mean, laugh so I hard. Say that, <laughs> just for context, I, for, for general context, I say that weekly to people Good that you, have yeah. no idea what the hell it means. <laughs> and I'll be like, Paradise Lost Found. And they're like, uh, okay, cool. Right. And I'm like, all right, so need that by Wednesday. Thanks. Uh, let's just uh, keep going then. Yeah. That's how you're going to meet a truly good bestie is when you throw that line out and, and they look at you, they, their head just snaps and they're looking at you and they're like, did yep. you just reference what I think you referenced? <laughs> then that same guy tells you about the time he met Nathan Basil at the pizza shop with his son. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. All right. So... Can you, I, I know I just mentioned uh, Robert England, but if if you wouldn't mind, what was it like, you know, working with Robert England and uh, Zelda Rubenstein? Like those are two like true iconic horror uh, figures. Oh, yeah. Sure. The, just the fact that they were willing to do the movie was was a huge, uh, you know, morale boost for everybody because we'd already started shooting before they'd been cast. Um, actually, no, I think Zelda might've been cast, but, um, we'd already been shooting, uh, before we found out that, um, Scott Wilson was going to be playing Eugene and, and that, uh, and that Robert Wilson was, gonna, I mean, uh, <laughs> Robert England was going to be playing, uh, was going to be playing, uh, Doc Halloran. And, um, and so we were already kind of in the, in the, in, in the swing of things and having, that those confirmations come through it felt like oh man this is you know this is just given more momentum yeah. to the ball that's rolling downhill you know this is fantastic and then when he showed up it was like uh it was a whirlwind i mean the, the dude is a whirlwind i don't know have you ever met robert england no uh, neither of oh. us have no he's a whirlwind he's he's like um he's like uh I, I, there's nobody to liken him to he's just constantly in motion and he's uh, you know got a thousand thoughts firing and in a given minute and he's sharing them all and that's you could just you could do it all day just sit there and listen to robert england's accounting of what's happening in his brain and uh and then then there's the work and um he it's exciting because he's there and he's robert england um it's exciting because he's clearly excited about the project. Um, and then it's exciting because we're seeing his contribution to the project and his contribution is, <laughs> is you know, you see it, he's, he's, he's doing Donald Pleasance and he's just loving it up <laughs> and, and he's, and he's just, you know, milk and moments. And he, it's, it's just fascinating to watch a guy work who has, you know, done just about every kind of project there is out there. He's got so much experience. He knows how to be in front of the camera, how to sell gags, how to, um, sell stunts. How, um, he's informing me as we're, um, you know, moving into some of the more complicated physical scenes and stuff. And, and, uh, I, you know, I'm being coached by, by Freddy Krueger. It's, it was insane. Yeah. It had to be so surreal, man. It was pretty fantastic. And, you know, and then on top of it all, he's just a really swell guy. And, um, and he loves 
life and he loves his life and he's living a life that is easy to love. And so just being around him is, um, it's like, uh, it's like turning the lights on. And then Zelda has that amazing little like monologue telling the, the backstory of Leslie Vernon in the library. Like that had to be, <laughs> yeah. I would have been just cheesing the whole time. Yeah, it was, I, you know, just that voice, you know, you see, mm-hmm. you, you hear her voice before you see her character. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's her reveal is just that voice and, uh, you know, instantly whose voice it is. And that voice is telling the story of the legend of Leslie Vernon. I mean, come on. That's, it that's, doesn't, that was, that was the very last night of shooting. That was in the, that was in the library. Um, everybody was, was totally fried. Um, some of us were brain dead and, and uh, I, I hope she enjoyed uh, being <laughs> a part of the process as much as we enjoyed having her be a part of the process. Um, I, I think it was one of her last films, if it wasn't the last um, How long film did for it Zelda. take to uh, film this movie? It was all in all, I think it was about a month and a half. We took a break for a few days, maybe a week. Um, so I think we spanned about a month and a half, six weeks altogether. Yeah. And it was filmed uh, where? Uh, Portland, right? Mostly Portland, yeah. I think. Yeah, Portland and the outskirts. Yeah, I this the scene and the the, the setting, the whole the whole gig. It, oh. I, I just I've been really diving into the special features and. Um, it's just so cool to see so many of the aspects that you've uh, reflected on here in, you know, in the special features telling on the Blu-ray and just the. Uh, oh God! I hope I'm not repeating myself. No, honestly, you're not. Well, most of the like making of is uh, with Scott with Scott Grossman and. Oh yeah, that's uh, that that's on the Blu-ray. I don't think I don't think I did any. Uh, I don't think I did any. Uh stuff for the blu-ray i think it was just on the original release on the blu-ray he talks about there's this like really strange cut where he talks about like how he really wishes he had in advance of starting filming spent time getting to know everybody in advance because he was like he said on the interview at least that you guys like basically flew in and did a script reading and then the next day started filming Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, the only moment I really got to know them as people was like between scenes. And he was like, I, w- I wish I would have had the opportunity to do that prior. Um, not necessarily to like manage situations any better, but just like as a person managing situations, I guess, like, yeah. Well, so, he's, it's, this is Scott Glosserman, the director. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's just, he's just, he's, he's fun and he loves, our company and you know he i think he wanted to you know hang out and be one of the gang but he had too much work to do he had um so many hats that he was wearing that uh, the dude never slept by the time we got slept by the time we got to um uh the last night of shooting in the downtown library um that's who i meant the walking dead i mean he was he was uh, you know on his last legs he, he was hardly making any sense when he spoke anymore because he was so sleep deprived and I think he had a cold that he was nursing too. Um, 
he, you know, it was, it was, it was fascinating watching the behind the scenes work of production. Um, and I got a really fantastic over the shoulder view, um, from his perspective, but I'm so glad that it was just over the shoulders because, um, he really killed himself to, to get that production in, uh, done. And, um, and yeah, I could see how he, he could have used a, a little more downtime in the process. Uh, sure. I'm sure he would have liked that too. Yeah. And it's crazy. This was his first film, right? His first, uh, mm-hmm. this was his debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing that. I'm sure that always pushes you to work a little bit harder too, you know, like yeah. really got to prove myself here. He's just a, he's a hustler. He's, he's, um, he's always firing on all cylinders and he, um, he makes stuff happen. I mean, he's a, uh, a maker of things happening. And, um, the, you know, film was off to a good start when we were in production. It, 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 uh, you know, wasn't, um, anything that I, I, it just seemed like he was capable of everything, you know, like he could wear all the hats that he was wearing and then, you know, throw a few more on. It just, it, it seemed like he, he knew what he was doing. And if he didn't, he knew who to ask. And he, I built a team around him that I think he felt confident that, uh, this is going to be, you know, as close to, you know, the movie I have in my mind, uh, as it's going to get. So, well, well, speaking of the team that was involved, um, is there, and maybe you can't talk about it. Hopefully you can't, but is there any, uh, hope of a part two? And if so, like you have thoughts on what you'd like to see, that story be or there's always hope of it um and uh as far as timeline no idea but um yeah i think that that everybody would love to jump back in um unfortunately you know the guy who was wearing all those hats um he's gonna have to throw on that whole set of hats if not a few more in order to get a sequel off the ground and um I just, I, I can't, uh, I can't imagine that anybody feels like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to put my, my, you know, wife and my two kids and my home and my job and all of these things that I like and enjoy, I'm going to put them all on hold for the next yeah. you know year and a half, two years of my life and, um, make this, this sequel happen. Um, I've, uh, been of the mind that it doesn't matter how long it takes because uh, I think that there's a lot of fun to be had from <laughs> the expectations that a sequel is supposed to happen, you know, a few years after the original, not, you know, 20 years after the original when, uh, you know, everybody's slower and creaky getting out of bed <laughs> in the morning. Um, but, you know, there's fun stuff that can be had there. Um, m- mostly I, I, I see that uh, the route to go in in my mind is the the less onus that we can put on Scott and um, and have a production that is um, that's streamlined and nimble. Um, that would be more of a of a kind of TV approach. That would be more of a of a webisode approach, and that's that's where my interests have been going lately. And and some writing that I've been doing has 
has hashed that out a little bit and seen that yeah i think this is i think this could really work for us that would be great as well i mean any uh t-shirts we sell for horror dads <laughs> we will contribute <laughs> any profits to this project <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll we'll stake that in the ground right now did you do a lot of conventions nathan as less uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. do you miss those at all or is it like thank god those are done I, I I always feel honored to be a, a a representative of Behind the Mask and and the sort of ambassador to horror movies, you know, sure. to 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 horror to slashers. Um, it feels like a you know I I never would have seen that for myself, but I'm I'm really appreciative of that role that I get put in when I'm doing a convention because. Um, I have nonstop people coming up and saying how how important it's been for them and and how important my work has been for them and um you know uh, I I I I it's nice to hear flattering things um but but more than that I like to put a nice a nice face on on the movie because um because I'm I'm representing it for a bunch of people that aren't there and um and uh yeah i i i enjoy conventions i enjoy meeting people um and i do enjoy the compliments but uh but i enjoy more um just being a human being for people that have really fun things to share about the movie sure yeah i feel like um if i was in your shoes i'd be packing up like all right kids gotta go get worshipped See you in a week. <laughs> I did take my boys to one convention, and uh, I think they were a little weirded out by it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they 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 don't worship their father, nor should they. <laughs> right. I think we'll get back into the the convention scene uh, sometime this year. We'll 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 get back to normal. I, I've already heard about some conventions popping up, and um, yeah, we'll we'll get back to that. Yeah, we we're on the East Coast, and we have um, the mall where uh, Dawn of the Dead was filmed. I guess. Oh be, uh... yeah, just watched that with my boys a couple weeks ago. Oh, was that your first time with it? Yep. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you think? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. It, my well, yes, I was late in um, in in watching horror movies with my kids, but now they're both at ages where, given the movie. Um, we're able to knock out a bunch of uh, classics and and would be classics, you know. Sure. Um, sure, sure. And so that was one of them that was just on, and uh, my my youngest is usually the gauge for whether or not we're going to let it continue to be on or not. But uh, he left it on, and we kept watching, and uh, we were stunned by the practical effects. I mean, it was so effect heavy. Um, they they had so many gags built into that sure. film that. Uh, it was just, you know, we're sitting here, you know, open mouth, wide eyed and stunned, um, when we see some of the, <laughs> some of the more elaborate ones, you know, the beheadings and the, oh my gosh. That's a, so that's, that took place about an hour East of where we're sitting right now. Um, Wait a minute. You said Dawn of the Dead, right? I was, th- I was thinking Day of the Dead. Oh, we have. I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead yet. All right, well that's okay. So Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is also fucking. Where was that filmed though? Um, I'm not sure. It was like it was an underground bunker type thing. It was all probably studio stuff. Yeah. So, uh, 
George Romero, though, is from Pittsburgh, which is just now east right. of us. Um, so as is Tom. Yeah, and Tom Savini, yeah. who did all the, I think right. he was involved in practical effects for all three of those, right? Was he? Day of the I Dead believe too? so. Yeah, I, I know he did. I know he did Day of the Dead. Yeah. Okay, if he did Day of the Dead, I know he did um, Night or um, Dawn of the Dead and and Day of the Dead. Then yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and he's also from Pittsburgh, so that's great. Yeah. No, I have to see the mall one. That's definitely on the list. There's so many things on the list, but we're 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 knocking them off one by one. Yeah, I mean, Day of the Dead might be better than Dawn of the Dead. Maybe I guess, but I I don't know. I mean, they're oh. so good. We'll arm wrestle over this later. Yeah, Jerry. I mean, I'm not I'm not taking a stance. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to start a fight. But I, <laughs> I feel I'm, like he. Uh, I am saying I like that we enjoyed the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're all great. I mean. George Romero's vision and propensity to like just approach that stuff so early on in life and mm. the whole concept of Dawn of the Dead being about consumerism and um, yeah I, his his work is so totally different story every movie there it's, it's, it's great. crazy and each point was so like poignant and relevant and yeah yeah Day of the Dead was uh, was was uh government uh, uh military uh response to uh crisis and yeah um, very relevant right now and it's also about how like we as humans can be the monsters you know and that's oh yeah definitely it's it's yeah i mean that's just true so and that's an ongoing theme in all those films is just like what what's happening around you is you're trying to defend yourself or your family from this external threat and what happens to you or those in your your scenario you know that's what's really scary is how 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 you respond and yeah right real real loss isn't necessarily uh death or 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 dismemberment it's uh it's the loss of character yeah all right uh do we want to dive into some films? Let's do it. get into it. All right. All right. So we're going to go. No, I'm ready. What kind of order are we going with, John? Yeah, I always have an order here. And uh... it's always based off something weird. Like, let's go off the beard length of the producers. <laughs> uh, well, this time I thought Where we'd just going? go chronologically. Um, and by most depressing to least depressing, hmm. which is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so Nathan picked three films for us here, and um, again, we're going to discuss documentary-style horror films, um, and we're going to start with a film from 1992 called Man Bites Dog, uh, which is a French film directed by, here we go, Good gonna, luck. Uh, uh, Remy Belvaux and André Bonzel. Mm. All right. Yes. So this movie. So Nathan, let's let's uh, let's get your thoughts on this film. Well, uh, initially, I'll just say that when um, when uh, Behind the Mask came out, this was the movie that most often was referenced um, in in relation to it. Um, I think because of the. Um, you know, the quote unquote bad guy who, um, we're 
we're seeing things from his point of view as he's going about doing what he's doing. Um, so yeah, I guess it, it, uh, was a natural association because of that. It was interesting to, yeah, you're climbing in the mind of a killer. So I think a lot of our viewers probably have not seen this. So let me, let me give a quick, uh, or viewers, listeners have not seen this. So I'm going to give a quick, uh, synopsis. Um, but this is about a film crew who follows a thief and heartless killer um, as he goes about his kind of like daily routine uh, and complications start to set in when the film crew, they lose their ability to be objective and they sort of, you know, begin to start. They be, like start participating. Yeah, they start to participate. Yeah. They're participants in what's going on. So uh, definitely reminiscent, I think, of a lot of the concepts that we explore in Behind the Mask for sure. So I can certainly yeah. see where the inspiration came from um, on this front. Yeah, you can see a lot of similarities and you can see that you guys drew from that, whether it was conscious or not, like that was absolutely uh, a huge influence, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't know if it was intentional or not. I, I don't think I ever spoke to Stevie about this, but um, but something that is a very hard turn, uh, a very abrupt turn that the film takes is that uh, moment when the people who've been following uh, this killer along, you know, talking, just, he's just been talking all this time. Um, when he, when he turns the corner and then starts doing things, um, you know, why do they continue to follow along and, and what's, what happens after they're, you know, what, 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 why, why don't they push back? And, and, uh, I think we settled on an approach that, answered that question by well you know leslie's just he's just a guy he's just a guy that's really um uh enthusiastic about what he does and he's got no apologies and um and uh and but because he's just a guy he's not anybody that you would associate with with uh, you know ugly evil and and that kind of thing um until he starts doing ugly evil and then you you're you're forced to make a choice and um so i i think the way we took it allowed for the audience to kind of dismiss that whole question until it got uh brought to the forefront and um and that's handy if you want to surprise an audience with that kind of shift yeah for sure and i i mean this this movie i feel does a similar thing for sure um yeah, because the guy's charismatic, like you were, uh, as Leslie. Um, the guy is, you know, he's very personable. He can make, <laughs> he can attract people to kind of it, just case in point. The the filmmakers start helping him, you know, start being complicit in this shit, which is like, ugh. But I, I think the scene for sure that is most comparable to the scene that you described where you auditioned was when, uh, he's asking them to go get seafood with him <laughs> like because that's the, the first scene because you see on the from the onset like the very first scene of the film there's a murder and it you know it's the whole strangers on a train like someone's walking by and you feel comfortable at first and then you instantly feel uncomfortable and it it quickly demarcates like okay this is going to be serious and amicable in the same breath 
And I feel like the film definitely does that. But as as the main character like continues to devolve into this insanity and these like manic moments and the, the film crew is like involved in it, they go and the old woman is like, he scares her to death essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then they leave there and he's like, oh, that just, that put wind in my sails. Like, let's all go get a seafood dinner. It's only going to be two hour drive. Let's go. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, well, we, we have plans. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> and it gets like super, super uncomfortable. I feel like that's pretty similar to the, um, the scene, Nathan, that you described, you know, outside of the, the van where it's like you, they come out of the diner and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we we goofed up a little bit, and you're like, yeah, it's not not a big deal, and then it becomes a huge deal, and then it there's a way forward after the fact. It's a similar sort of out outline. Yeah, I think that the key component there is some kind of charismatic quality to the 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 killer, because if the characters around him um, don't have a reason to be attracted toward the madness, then the audience. Uh, will have less of a reason to be as well. Um, sure. So yeah, just it it, 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 there's much more payoff the more the audience can be invited into uh, a, a, a liking of you know the main character. Yeah. the The major difference between this one and your movie was that we didn't really see the evil until the last twenty minutes or so. Whereas this one, we're watching the evil unfold throughout. So I, I had a really tough time with this movie as compared to Leslie Vernon, obviously. This sure. one reminded me more of, I don't know if you've ever seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I, I have that note written right yeah. here. This you reminded know, me. Of it, but I haven't watched it. You, I'm, I don't uh, necessarily want to recommend honestly, it. I was going to say you should watch, watch it, but yeah, because just if, don't. Um, yeah, if you just saw Halloween two years ago, like that's not the movie <laughs> yeah, to go to. Right. I mean, Michael Rooker's amazing in it, but it, it's one of those movies where the realism in it is just unnerving. Really it's yeah, it's yeah. very unnerving. Yeah. And there's a scene, the rape scene in this one, is where I really see the correlation between Henry because <clears throat> it's not a, a documentary style, but there's a, a scene in that one where there's a rape, a rape and kill scene where the one guy is filming while the other guy is, and they kind of take turns filming. And that really yeah. reminded me of the rape yeah. scene in this one, which, oh, fuck, I, I just hate we're, rape scenes so much. Yeah, we're not, we, we can't do rape scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one more fun, I guess, interesting aspect of this is the guy that played the main character, I guess his family was like all in on filming the scenes where he's like introducing the family. And I think that was his real family. <laughs> really? <laughs> and they funny. had... They had no idea what the movie was, what the movie's going to be about. And they were all super pissed when they found out after the fact, like, wait, he's supposed to be some kill. Cause like all the amicable, like, come on in. Yeah. I've been dealing yeah, with yeah. her for 53 years. Like that was all like organic natural huh. stuff. Uh, That's fascinating. Oh yeah. man. I would have loved to have gotten my dad on camera. Oh, yep. do you have any memorable scenes from this one, Nathan? Uh, from, uh, uh, man bites dog. Yeah, yeah. I, the 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 um the dying of the woman. I th I think that s struck me too. And um and yeah, I had the same impression of you where I was. I, I was watching it specifically because um pe people had made a reference to that movie when talking about ours, and so I felt like I had to know what they were talking about. Um, I didn't enjoy it. 
I didn't enjoy the movie. It's not meant to be enjoyed, though, I think. Right. So um, I felt more kind of a, a accomplishment from having completed it than, <laughs> than I felt, uh, you know, inspiration from it. I felt that way as well. Like last night, I watched it last night and it ended. Um, if anyone wants to watch us, by the way, it's streaming on HBO Max. Um, but as soon as it ended, typically I would put something else on. I like, I just laid flat on my back and fell asleep because I was like, I don't know what else to do now. <laughs> but dream. Yeah. yeah. But to have nightmares. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's certainly a heavy one. John, how about yeah. you? Any memorable scene? I, I certainly think my memorable scene was the one where he was yelling about the seafood and they quickly cut to them, like all being at the restaurant and then him like throwing up everywhere. And yeah, yeah. Oh, just that whole, like, I feel like there's a narrative within like a visual uh, storytelling format almost that, that occurs. And that I feel like that happens time and time and time again throughout the film. Um, but that one's like a real quick, concise, like it just very, quickly demonstrates yeah this dude's nuts he can be charismatic and psychotic and he can also bring others along with him in the form of this like him he, he quickly recruits these guys they're like yeah i'm on the fence i got stuff to do i can't do this and then quickly they're like at the dinner table and then he's throwing up everywhere and yeah being a psycho yeah so so the one scene for me was uh, the one when he's at the dinner with, I don't even know who these people were at this point. There's like an old woman, a man that's laughing incessantly, and then a younger woman. You know what scene I'm talking about? Yep. And yes. the guy just won't quit laughing. He's like drinking and they're giving him presents. I guess it's the main character's birthday. So, so they're giving him presents. and th That's they the one that him, sticks with you the most? They give him the holster. Yeah, but it's because of, so they give him the holster. He does that thing where he's like, oh, so mobile in this is wearing the neck brace. And he uh, shoots the guy in the in, right in the head. Yeah. And then the two women are sitting there with blood on their faces. Like, but then the old woman acts like it never happened. And she's like, well, mm -hmm. here's, here's your gift. And she's got blood all over her face. <laughs> and it's like, what? Like, these people are so, like, scared of him, I guess, you know? Oh, man insanely fucked up that movie yeah <laughs> i mean th this was the first jamie and i both have even i think had, had i had never even movie? heard of it no yeah, me neither so so i love doing stuff like this when when uh the people the guests we have introduce movies we've never heard of and we get to see something new it's i i love it it's always amazing i i want well, to see that. i love this movie but... about the recommendation yeah i i i i i'm um now that i'm we're talking about it it feels like man Maybe I shouldn't have recommended that one. It felt like it was, you know, mockumentary, documentary. It felt like it was, you know. It's it's 100% relevant to the yep. topic. and It was relevant. Yeah, yeah. So and, and we really, we could see the influences that this movie, like we said, whether it was intended or not, um, whether it was even intentional, like there's clear influences between your movie and this one. Yeah. Very relevant pick. And I think our next two are a little more fun than this one. Sure. Um, so well, slightly. <laughs> well, the, the third one certainly is, but the second one, right? We're going to head uh, Oof. just seven years later. So in 92, I was what? Um, five years old. So in 99, oh yeah. 
in 99 i was uh 12 and i i definitely recall this being like the film as a teenager that was like you gotta see this and this was one of the critical hooks that like uh real people quickly into into the horror genre and it's uh 1999 the Blair Witch Project I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom I am so so sorry because it is my fault because it was my project Three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any. All right, so oddly enough, each of the three films you picked, Nathan, were directed by two people. Interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so this one was directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, and it starred a handful of people, but the three most prominent characters, I think, were uh, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. And um, this movie is just generally about three film students who vanish after traveling into a Maryland forest to film a documentary on the uh, local legend, which happens to be the Blair Witch. Um, and they leave kind of like their their footage behind. So it's a left behind uh footage sort of film yeah somebody happens to find the tape or something this was more of a this was more of a cultural experience like a, a cultural phenomenon I, I totally agree and you remember re- uh reading stories about people having to leave the theater from motion sickness and, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and this was one of the first films i think that used their advertising to make it seem like it was a real thing like i remember uh at the time they were like no this was real like we found this videotape and here's the movie like we it's right. real and the actors they use their real names as their first yeah. names in there yeah, yeah. yeah so it, and there were people who went and saw this in the theater thinking it was a real like this was real found footage this yeah. was like the original found footage you know it's fucking crazy my hand is raised that's that's that was my understanding that when i saw it in the movie theaters uh with my brother um, I d- didn't have any information about it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but it was presented so earnestly that I just kind of, okay, I guess we did. This is a found footage and they, they're showing us what they recorded. So, all right, here we go. And it's amazing to me. What makes this movie so amazing is the ancillary characters. Like, yeah, the main characters did amazing. The guys like, fishing in the beginning, like- random interviews. Yeah. When like they're kind the of like bickering a little bit back and forth, like where did they find these people? Because the, these are like I've seen movies with actual actors that go to school I, for this that I don't act that well. <laughs> I mean, it's that's what sold that whole premise to me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this one with my boys because I know it's going to freak them out. I, um, like I said, I'm I'm not uh, I'm I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to movies and not knowing anything about this movie. Um, and the the pace of it was pretty pretty relentless too. So by the end of the movie, I was just so wound tight, um, and uh, and my my brain was exploding. It was probably one of the most uh, visceral experiences I've had um, at at the movies. And I think part of what for sure 
um, made this film so so scary was uh, the fact that they don't show a ton and it's it's like a build up to a breakdown in a song almost where they just like keep mounting pressure and it's pressure mm-hmm. and it's pressure and it's demonstrated not only through like what you don't see in the shadows but also the tension that's happening between the characters that continues to mount because like it just there's the one black sheep of the group who comes in and clearly like he's unhappy with the way that things have been mapped and everybody's lost and then the the map quote-unquote goes missing and people are yelling at each other and there's just like this a lot of yelling so it's it's a pressure cooker and it like that aspect of it just like take knocks you off the horse and you're like well shit i'm laying on my back on the ground staring up at the sky now like what's gonna happen next and then also you're like oh wait there's a witch out here somewhere and you're just like terrified of what that's gonna (laughs) manifest to be and the tension doesn't release until the very last minute of the movie yeah the whole thing just keeps on winding tighter and tighter this movie cost less than um halloween did in 1978 to, wow. to film this this was done for $300,000 and it grossed like 24 million or something yeah it was like one of those yeah. it, it changed it was revolutionary for sure yeah but think of what what ensued after this like paranormal activity obviously would not exist if it weren't for this movie right yeah oh yeah um i mean i don't think we would have the found footage phenomenon that we had if it wasn't for this movie to yeah. be honest yeah behind the mask probably wouldn't exist i would like to think it would uh, i would like to think that too yeah yeah i let's just go on thinking that that's its yeah. own entity <laughs> let's just go on thinking that was influenced by nothing unbelievably right. original yep uh, but yeah, I, I, I just, I have my it emerged notes. fully formed from the mind of, of the gods and, uh, <laughs> that's where it shall stay. 100%. Pound that stake in the ground. I'm with John, it. John, do you remember, uh, watching this? Was there a scene that scared you the most or? I always remember the, the, up nose, nose drip scene her yeah. with the yeah the flaring that's nostrils the yeah yeah that's that's, that's the, the one. one like that's the snap to scene uh recall for sure Sure. for me it was yep. the shit hanging in the trees like the dolls oh yeah the, the voodoo yeah. dolls and stuff hanging in the tree that 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 to me was like okay shit is really messed up now it's very real yeah yeah my for me it was it was the nose drip thing too because i i was very much in the same kind of state as her I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't crying and I wasn't, uh, you know, trembling, but I was, you know, I'm pretty sure that I, I sucked my, you know, I was sitting on my chair in a very weird position and I'm sure I was, you know, squeaking and squealing and, you know, chirping and making weird noises and, uh, um, and just wound up super tight. Um, cause that's, that was the exact i i mean I, I i still remember what it looked like i remember what it felt like i it was just it's been stamped onto my brain that that scene yeah i love that is is your brother into horror films in general nathan 
No, but we would go see, um, we would meet up randomly and, and we would catch uh, independent films and, uh, and he was the one, I'm pretty sure he had the idea to watch um, Blair Witch because um, I didn't have any uh, awareness of it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just uh, one of those, one of those momentous uh, viewings. I uh, I remember I saw this in the theater as well with the same, I went into it with the same thing where like, no, this is real. I was 17 and I went with some friends who were not 17, they were 16. So the plan was they went and saw, they bought tickets for Bowfinger, the Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, so I'll buy my ticket to, uh, this was at Tinseltown, John. Yeah. And I was like, I'll buy my ticket to Blair Witch. You guys sneak on in. It'll be easy. They easy, never had a chance to easy, sneak in. Easy, yeah. They never had a chance. I sat there and watched this entire thing by myself. I don't know what was worse, me watching this by myself or them having to sit through all of Bowfinger. So, yeah, I was terrified as well at the end. I, and then, like, I still, I remember I saw them on, like, Jay Leno or something, and I was like, wait, what? How can you be on Jay Leno if you were killed by the you witch? I still you in Maryland. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She lied. She lied to us. I told you she'd never consciously betray the rebellion. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Well, this certainly pioneered um, the found footage uh, documentary style 100%. Um, but do we want to head to 2014 for our last film? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Nathan, do you want to introduce this one? What we do in the shadows. Let's go, let's go! It's been like this the whole time. Deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. Yeah, You're missing no, I know. Not a, I know. flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. <laughs> Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent? And that was the year, what, 2016, did you say? Uh, 2014. Directed 2014. By, yep. I can't believe by, it's been uh, that long. I, do, uh, well, when I saw Crazy. Blair Witch came out a zillion years ago, I was yeah. like, oh, well, this is it. I'm going to start needing knee surgery soon. Um, <laughs> but <a> New hip. <laughs> what We Do in the Shadows, 2014, directed by uh, Jermaine Clement. And uh, I think it's... Uh, Taika Waititi. Yes, Taika Waititi, and both of whom star in the film, obviously. And then um, Corey Gonzalez uh, was the other uh, the other main character. But this this is about uh, three uh, <laughs> vampire roommates who are finding out that modern life has them uh, struggling with some of the more mundane aspects of life, uh, like like keeping up with the chore wheel and getting into nightclubs <laughs> and uh, overcoming different conflicts with their flatmates. But uh, let me, let me just 
let me just dive right in and ask you guys who's who's your favorite character from this film probably taika waititi um though i i'm i love jermaine clement um i loved him from uh um right uh, concords flight of concords um so i i was already inclined to like him um i was uh, and Taika Waititi directed a bunch of the Flight of the Concords uh, episodes, so I was kind of familiar with him a little bit, but more with Jemaine. But I just de- definitely fell in love with Taika. He, his uh, his uh, his meekness is really um, it's hilarious to me because I think it's also in the timing of how he delivers his 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 meekness that um, you know his 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 Korg character from uh, the the Avengers movies, uh, the, the big, the big hulking, massive, uh, brute thing. That's just this guy. He was just, Oh, hello, Thor. How are you? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's, I just love, uh, his, his sense of humor is just, uh, it's so good to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you and I think he did such a great job. Um, and uh, Jermaine's, uh, speaking of Flight of the Concords and being a parent, and I have two girls, Jamie has two boys, but uh, I believe he plays the crab in Moana that sings the song. Uh, oh, yeah, Jermaine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's my favorite song from that film, and I didn't find out until oh. after I've watched it 7,400 times with my uh my my youngest that uh that it was him and i was like oh my god that's the guy from what we do in the shadows and my wife was like what and i was like yeah and play the concords and she was like what so yeah yeah i mean i'm finding this out right now and i've seen moana a million times as well yeah but rewatch it's time for a rewatch yeah that's going to be our next watch through episode is going to be of moana because it's related we'll to lose all our patreon members yeah. <laughs> um so I love I love Peter though. Th- I was gonna say yeah, I think you have to love Peter, <laughs> but it's not him. It's how they right, they yeah. look at him that makes yeah. you love him. Because <laughs> they're like yeah. our dear sweet Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this vile beast in the cupboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. I, I love when like Nick is downstairs just talking to him. Like, yeah, they they seem to like Stu. But uh, and Stu's character too is so like he's Love basically like anyone you've ever worked with at right X yeah, yeah. company right and uh, mm-hmm. his character is so so good um, but it's also so well played and Jermaine's character being so like uh, just like confident and he's clearly like Vlad the Impaler like that's right he's supposed yeah I to mean be. obviously and uh, but uh, you you define it quite well there nathan with the meekness of uh uh take character and yeah i just this movie's it's so tastefully done and it really again when you look at like decade over decade films that re- redefined a genre like this this created an energy and a creativity that was so well needed when it when it came out in the in the mid uh you know 2010s yeah. and just such a great film and I think it's done a lot of good for the world to have New Zealand's unique sense of humor getting out there. Um, Cause these guys have uh, 
Jermaine and Taika, um, particularly that they've been, um, they've been telling, uh, you know, they've been doing comedy for a while, but it's, it's, um, so subtly presented that, um, I just, I, it just hits the sweet spot of comedy for me. Um, that kind of humor that's not um, about uh, bringing anybody down or or necessarily, you know, bringing ourselves up. Um, if there's, it's not mean spirited, you know. Um, it's. Uh, we're not werewolves. It, we're swear. We're not swearwolves. We're werewolves. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's my my favorite scene. I think is when the vampires are confronting the, the werewolves. Um, that who that's another actor that uh, that, that I love who was uh, um, had a big contribution in Flight of the Concords. Um, oh, Crumb. I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, he's he's the leader of the of the, the main werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just his sense of humor, um, all of them is just so um, it's just subtle and uh, and filled with, you know, humanity. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, it's, I completely agree. And it's yeah. as they're like devolving into the most hideous beast. He's like, yeah. chain yourself around the tree. We don't swear, like be decent take your clothes off so they don't rip and like that's what he's worried about <laughs> and he's like the captain of the whole uh the whole the whole group there which is so fun um yeah. but the the Jackie character too and how she like panders to the entire scenario and the fact that she's like a mother that has children and uh that whole gamut it's just so it's funny and fun um and the, the last thing I'll say about this movie is my, my favorite line uh, is when Taika went, when the police are trying to come into the house and he's like, so desperately like discussing like the potential pitfalls that are associated with the police coming in the house. And then he mentions the fact he's like, they might be Christians. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's so like every single time he says that I, I just, I I dissipate into a, a fit of unbelievable laughter and it's just incredibly enjoyable for me. So <laughs> because you've met Christians before. <laughs> exactly. Also, you, you you've you've dealt with them. Yeah, I mean, we all have. I know, we know the Christians, yes. Um John also Anton the the werewolf, the leader of the werewolves. He was that his name Anton? I think so, yeah. Yeah. He was also the were monster in the X Files episode, our favorite one. Oh, the, the, oh my God! The, the guy season. with the hat. Yes, <gasps> that's Jamie. him. Uh, I'm in, gonna in an X Files episode. Yeah, from uh, the the tenth season that came out like in 2016. One of our favorite episodes oh. is uh, it's like the third episode. I think it was called uh, Mulder about... and Scully meet the were monster. Uh, and that's him. I'm about to fall into a deep uh, story here, Nathan. So I apologize. Oh, here we go. Oh, Reese Darby. Reese Darby's his name. Correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a podcast called The X Files Files, and um, it's hosted by Kamel Nanjiani, um, who's 
been a lot of Marvel films now and um, was also in Silicon Valley. Right. Uh, he's, he started as a comedian and he's great. But uh, well, what we know of him is great from the X-Files Files, which is yeah. one of our favorite podcasts. But like basically his podcast resuscitated the X-Files franchise to the point where it got rebooted for this season. Yeah, happened. he would go, he, he like started at episode one and he would go through every episode and discuss it. And it rejuvenated the yeah the, yeah the franchise like it created this like massive following who's in like entertainment magazine like it just blew up and um then uh once they rebooted the series they invited him on to be on an episode because like he was such a critical part in like creating a- attraction to the series again and the episode that he was in also was this same episode this yeah. this guy was in too so good deep uh reference there jamie Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster. Yes. Yep. And uh, I think Darren Morgan wrote the episode, and he's uh, he he wrote the only episode I think that ever won an um, what is it, an Emmy? The, the for TV. To Clyde Bruckman. Yeah, Clyde Bruckman's uh, final, final repose. repose. Yeah. Yep. John and I can't go an episode without discussing the X Files. <laughs> yeah, you really did go into the rabbit hole there. Yeah. I'm sorry, Nathan. <laughs> uh anything else oh that's good makeup about, uh oh yeah no it's incredible you, you need to check that one out or do you watch the x-files at all nathan i did um on the on the original series but um no, i didn't catch the the reboot yeah or i guess te- it's not reboot it's a uh, extension right yeah. yeah um but and what are final thoughts on what we do in the shadows yeah from anybody do you guys watch the series at all Yes, um, knock that out with my boys. It's 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 good family entertainment, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I guess there's some. Yeah, there's a lot of sex stuff. It it's fine, and um, we've been enjoying it a lot, and uh, looking forward to the next season. But I I, I was disappointed that Reese Darby didn't make it into uh, the show as, as one of the werewolves, um, but uh, did get some cameos by. Uh, Jermaine and Taika, um, and also uh, um, Wesley Snipes, which was oh. uh, fantastic and unexpected. I've only watched a couple episodes. It, well, I kind of movie they make the reference to. Remember when he comes out, he's like, "You look like Wesley." You yes, can't go Blade. to the club. You can't go as Blade. <laughs> you can't go as Blade. You can't do it. <laughs> but my favorite vampire from the the series was the energy sucking vampire that oh just yeah sucks the energy yeah. out of the room much like his eyes roll back and he just starts <laughs> sucking the life out of his co-workers right. i love that everyone has worked with that person for sure mm-hmm. so well um anything else jamie that you want to mention on what we do in the shadows no i think we got it Nathan, 100 million thank yous. And when um, when Behind the Mask uh, Part 2 comes out, we're going to have you back on, if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, totally. Uh, whenever well, that's going to be. I'll, I'll be hitting you guys up for funding anyway. Uh, yes, with our t-shirt money. Also, uh-huh. I mean, if you just want, like, just tell me where to send the check tonight, because I will write one. I've had three beers and I feel great. Also, I'll, I'll be in the movie because you guys will be like, get that extra out of the frame. 
Well, um, just make it out to me and, and I'll, um, I'll be sure to forward it along whenever we get something together. Okay, perfect. perfect. Yep. That sounds great. Sending it right $8 now, added to the budget. You got, you got it. Ethan. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this with us, man. Like we, we just really honestly appreciate it so much. Oh, I'm glad I got to allow you guys to check check uh, an item off your bucket list and uh, it was it was great talking to you and uh good luck with the with the future podcast with the uh patreon with uh your families with parenting with everything we really appreciate that man and uh good luck to you and everything and your kids and your family and thanks again bud you're welcome guys